Welcome back to the Nightlife Podcast, Season 4, Episode 9. Guys, today we are going to be talking to Jamie Edwards from Bar I. This is one of those people that you need to definitely have close by um, to help you save. You know, uh, one of those things that you really hate doing, we all hate doing, is uh, bar inventory. And we all know we need to be doing it. But are we doing it right? Um, so anyway, let's just bring in today's guest. Uh, here is Jamie. So how are you, my man? Thanks for having me, Julio. Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, it's been obviously a strange year, particularly for hospitality, but uh, huh. nice to take some time to talk about something we're passionate about of, you know, counting bottles and inventory. Um, <laughs> probably not the most sexiest topic that you address in these podcasts, but uh, one that we're passionate about, you know, so have some fun with and uh, make a little bit of money and hopefully a, a contribute to the industry. So Man, uh, a good fit. Excited to be here. No, it's necessary now more than ever. What, where are you from? But uh, I'm originally from the southwest of England. I'm regularly mistaken for an Aussie because of uh, my the U.S. effect on my accent. But yeah, I'm a, from a from a county called Somerset. Um, okay. And yeah, the confusing accent is due to being here for 18 years. Got it. Got it. Got it. Where are you at now? Um, so I'm in uh, in Colorado, uh, in the mountains near Vail. Um, the reason for that, and that's why the headquarters of Vail, is that uh, I originally came over here when I was 18. I'm fortunate to have a U.S. passport as well as a British one, um, by virtue of my mother. And uh, came to Colorado to visit when I was 18. Did uh, worked in a ski shop, fell in love with Colorado and the area, and right. uh, that's how I met my business partner. Um, originally, I was you know working for him as his busboy originally, and. Uh, sort of moved up we became friends um and then parted ways from that but then uh you know funny turns in life we ended up starting by RA together a couple of years after i'd worked for him in Vail, and that brought us back together in, into colorado i see how long has been uh has bar i been around now um there was a little bit before before i was involved but really in its current form with us as the, the same two owners uh just over 11 years now it was 11 years in may wow that's that's a good run um all right, so why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about what it is, what 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 Barai is first of all? Sure. So Barai is an inventory uh, software business. Um, we provide a software platform for bars to take their inventory in a faster, more accurate way. Um, and obviously, we have different levels of product, but our two things we focus on is trying to spend less time counting inventory in a bar, mm -hmm. uh, and then using that counting data to try and uh, increase profitability. Uh, by matching up and comparing what we're using at a restaurant to what we're actually selling in real life. Um, but I mean, in terms of the, the genesis and the background, um, Scott, my business partner, was the manager at the Red Lion in Vail, Colorado. Uh, a lot of the listeners might have heard of that if they're skiers because they'll have visited Vail. And it's one of the most well-known and well-located bars in, in the village of Vail. Um, so he had seen the, the problem of you know, battling with the liquor cost and trying to manage costs in a bar and calculating you know, one number in Excel spreadsheet, like the, I'm gonna price this at this and this should result in a lick cost like this. And mm -hmm. they're never hitting those numbers. Um, he also has jokes that he noticed that all his bartenders used to go away on vacation to Thailand in the off seasons and he'd be uh, going camping in, in Utah. So that sort of spike, he, he, he came, you know, bar I started because he got to a, a point in his career that the late nights were coming challenging and he wanted to use his, you know, knowledge to start something in the hospitality space, but not as a manager anymore. Um, and after looking at uh, some franchise opportunities, started the business on his own. Um, 
he did, was at it for a while, and then I, I got uh, laid off my job in corporate finance in the last, I guess, big economic crash in 20, uh, 2008. Right. And so since 2009, I you know, started helping my old boss with his new business. Um, and then it, you know, having been laid off from a corporate finance job, starting a, our own thing looked a lot more exciting right. than going back into a corporate finance job, honestly. Right, Probably less lucrative to start with, but uh, certainly more entertaining. A lot more fun. It goes better with the accent you know yeah <laughs> um all right so uh more restaurants or more bars or what, what do you guys focus on um yeah i mean at the moment it's mostly independence i guess is to qualify mm -hmm. that uh, so certainly our system is all about on-premise licenses okay um so we're not talking about liquor stores we're talking uh, so right. anyone that has an on-premise just means that the license is to consume the alcohol you purchase there on-premise or any retail so yeah it, uh, Lots of bars, lots of restaurants, and a handful of nightclubs at the moment. Right. Um, and as we are upgrading with a, a big rebuild of our software platform at the moment, mm -hmm. um, we're you know looking to have some of the additional bells and whistles that will handle more complicated clients like hotels, casinos, and even senior living facilities have started to get a trickle of calls from them because they run like it. Certainly, is a mix of bars and restaurants. Um, you know, to us, we're focused just on the bar side of things. So right. we're not helping, you know, look at the food side. So restaurant right. or bar to us is almost the same business. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for us, we're looking, you know, for the lower tiers. Um, certainly, we have products that work with lower sales. But for our premier product that people are using to make more money and, you know, what I'm obviously pleased about and what we try and um, find the right fit for any bar that's doing really it can be pretty, it's pretty low level, but if you're doing $25,000 in bar sales per month, right? That is a level of sales. Anything at or above that level, I think you should be doing a sophisticated inventory process. Right. Um, and so most of our clients, you know, basically if they have that level of sales, monthly sales behind the mm -hmm. bar, um, they're a candidate. So yeah, it's been a mix right. of bars, restaurants, but we're, we are seeing increasing right. you near know, nightclubs. Um, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to ask you, well, you know, the promise that I see you kind of have there is talking about reducing the inventory cost 3%. Um, anybody that knows about the industry and knows about inventory knows that is a good, you know, thing to have, or, you know, or a good thing to accomplish. Anybody that doesn't know about the industry will be like 3%. Why am I going to spend money on 3%? You know, and they don't yeah. realize how yeah. important. Well, the other thing actually is that let me explain that 3% because when I say 3%, I mean 3 absolute percent so Correct. typically for a typical bar and i don't love to talk about an average liquor cost but you know most bars most neighborhood bars their liquor costs range somewhere from high teens to 18 the high to 20s. 21 25 29 yeah, yeah. Depending on, i mean we've yeah. yes so when i say a three percent reduction i'm not talking about you know your liquor cost goes three percent lower i'm talking about if it was 21 percent, it goes to 18 percent. correct and so that's an absolute percentage change Again, I'm a nerd, so I think about these things. But you know, if we were talking about three percent of um, 21, that's a lot bigger percentage. If you if you're trying to look at the percentage change, it's much bigger. Um, right. But yeah, another stat that you know to compare that to, it, it, it is actually a small number. You know, uh, but we're in an industry where the typical profit margin for bar restaurants, hmm. I believe, is in the region of five percent. So that means for every hundred dollars of sales they make, they only keep five dollars as profit. Right. And so if you're a bar and most of your sales, obviously a bar business, or even if you're a restaurant, half of them is bar business, 
if you can move your cost of goods sold or what we call liquor cost by three full percentage points, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the bar is doing 5% overall, maybe the bar, half of the sales was bar. And if we can, you know, make the profitability go from 5% to 8% on half of the sales, that's a really big gain for a, a bar owner. Clearly in these times we're challenged mm-hmm. and uh, what was the reason you use Skype? Is there some features to work better for your, for your recording? Yes. I look prettier. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, for the whole the, the recording, definitely. Um, sure. Jamie, so uh, let me ask you a question. The the what what is the you know the approach? Like what? I mean, I don't know if if it's something that you're willing to share exactly as as to the secret behind of it or whatever. Because um, it is a software, so you know people need to get the software to be able to to get this this from you guys or whatever but but um you know what is how do you go about reducing inventory costs you know in general yeah it's a a fair question so i guess the background is why for a start why would we even bother trying to do inventory in a fine detail why don't we just do it what normal people do which is see how what you need to be ordered and they do their inventory so they can calculate cost of goods sold um well, we've done this a lot. We've looked at this in detail. Most bars use a lot more product than they actually sell. Normally about 15, 20% more. So, you know, if they if they pour 100 or they sell 100 shots of Jameson in a week, mm-hmm. a typical bar actually pours 115. Um, mm. And so how we go about it, so, I mean, the, the, the first thing is to understand there's a problem where bars use more than they actually sell. Um, and then realizing that that's costing them a lot of money then provides the motivation to spend two hours in a storeroom doing boring counts. Um, mm. But how we go about it, 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 it's simple math in some respects. So what we do with our system is, you know, the old school system is you pick up a bottle, it's about 40% full and you write down 0.4 on your clipboard. Mm. And then you do that for all the items, you add them all up and you calculate uh, inventory values. Right. So the first thing we do is we use scales to measure any open bottles, what we call a partial bottle. So we can measure not just if it's 40% full, but how many shots are in it down to the 10th of an ounce. Right. Um, so we count everything at the start of the period. We count everything at the end of the period. And then we simply compare how many ounces of, say, Jack Daniels were present at the bar at the start of the week, how many ounces of Jack Daniels were present at the bar at the end of the week. Um, in order to do that simple, simple counting, we, we said we do it with more accuracy with scales. And also we have to factor in your purchases. So, of course, right. if you had 10 bottles at the start of the week and you have eight bottles at the end of the week, you know you've used two. But if you also had a, a half case of six, actually used eight. Um, our software is obviously doing these calculations down to the ounces and tenths of ounces. Right. And then, um, you know, so now we know the software can calculate pretty easily. Previous count, current count, plus usage. That tells you how many ounces you've used. Right. And then now you have to compare what you've used to what you sold. Um, so the hospitality space is very fragmented. So we're dealing with lots of independence, but also lots of different point of sale systems. So we have a pretty flexible way to interact with point of sale systems. So, you know, we, we already as a relatively smaller company, you know, integrate with 40 different systems. So we'll pull an itemized sales report out of the client's point of sale system. It's matched for the same period. So if they're counting, you know, Monday to Monday, we run a sales report Monday to Monday mm-hmm. and the report will tell us how many times every button in the point of sale system was pressed. So again, you know, just working through an example, Let's say they have a Jack Daniels button in their point of sale system. Most bars do. We then write a recipe, what we call a recipe, a point of sale recipe for that button. So typically, an average bar is going to serve 1.5 ounce of Jack Daniels every time they press that button. 
And so, you know, corporate bars sometimes 1.25 ounces, but this is all custom built out by the bar of specs. Right. So essentially, if that if that button for Jack Downs was pressed 100 times, if our uh, recipe assumption is 1.5 ounces, that means obviously we've sold 150 ounces of Jack Daniels. And then very simply, we compare it to the ounces poured, hopefully for the bar owner and for the bars, uh, you know, they've only poured 150 ounces, but most right. commonly we see that, you know, that they're pouring more. Right. And therefore by measuring this on a regular basis, we can figure out why that is. And, you know, it's for a myriad of reasons. A lot of it is accidental. You know, if you never get feedback about how you're pouring, you're typically, you know, you're trying to please the customer. Maybe it's a good tipper or right. a, a, a pr pretty person at the bar. Um, right. And so, you, you know, you, you're in the hospitality space. You want to please people. So you tend to, you know, please them a bit more by pouring them a bit heavy. Right. Um, the, the basic idea is simply that there are powerful forces that mean that bars tend to use more than they you uh, they sell. Right. You know, tipping, it, incentives matter. Um, right. So if you can get paid more by giving away more, that sometimes means they do. Also, out of a desire to please, I like stronger drinks in general. Most customers do. Right. So bartenders like to please the customers. Uh, and then also, you know, I come from the UK, so obviously we have a different style of service and how the bars work. In the UK, everything's measured out and pre-poured. The liquor bottles typically are turned upside down, right. what we'd call an optic. You push the glass under and it measures the pour out. So, you know, in addition to those incentivization through tipping in the U.S. market, um, the fact that we are free pouring drinks in the U.S. typically using those metal speed pourers rather than measuring the pours out, um, hmm. that also contributes um, to the issue. And just, you know, for a bar owner, they're not magically going to use the exact amount of alcohol they sell. Right. So our approach is simply if we measure what's happening, it gives us detailed information and we can, you know, right. sometimes they don't know how how filled to fill the glass of wine up to be that six ounce pour sometimes right. the bartender doesn't realize that shot glasses need to or shots need to go in shot glasses rather than rocks glasses um right you know, sometimes there's confusion that the house margarita is made with this it's made with espalon not the house uh, tequila right and all these types of things just wash out when you start when you dive in in detail into the inventory numbers um right. so the sexy. So, so the so the platform i mean the the you know the software is going to help control and understand and know what's happening it's not like it's gonna help you pour the amount that you have to pour you know it's, it's basically gonna That's tell you distinction. right yeah i mean there's other systems that in real time attempt to physically restrict what the bartender can do is in they measure out the pores and then you start um, having those issues with the clients not happy with the under pouring and the you know that client tip yeah. he's a better client than that one i want to take care of them and and uh, that bartender yeah, that brings an extra bottle <laughs> Yes. I don't love, you know, the visibility. Like it makes good business sense to measure out everything precisely. Customers don't love to see that we are, you know, they right. want to feel like they're at home and their best friend is pouring them a drink and then they're going to, mm. you know. Um, so, people, you know, there's different approaches to the same. same. Um, but, yeah, certainly one of the elements of our system we like is that it's, it's hidden from the customers behind the scenes. I agree. And it's not as controlling. We don't physically restrict the bartenders what they do. We just measure what they've done and then use the data as a tool to try and do better. Um, another element is the, as the bar business evolves and craft cocktails and rotating seasonal menus become more and more common, you know, the problem of just adding up and pouring 1.5 ounce drinks and right. counting them becomes different because we're using pre-batch cocktails and different amounts. And, right. um, you know, the, the elevation of the bar business and craft cocktails has, has certainly increased the complexity and opportunity for uh, bar inventory. And, and, and to be honest, to any of, anyone that's listening, 
if they want to use measured poor devices and there's certain scenarios that makes good sense in, you know, I'd say absolutely go ahead. Just right. make sure that if you run a bar in the US, you're doing something where hmm. you enable that you're managing pouring versus sales because right. it's a black hole. Most bars don't do a great job of it. And uh, it, that 3%, as, as we started the conversation, can be small, but it, that is the difference between with, you know, doors open for business and not making it right. See, that's double important at the moment because um, I think strong bars that have the right business model, lots of outside space. I think if they're doing 50 to 75 percent of what they usually do, bars are doing re- well at the moment. Right. Um, so you know, do you do you believe you do, do, do you believe it's possible to survive at you know 25 50 percent capacity for 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 this industry? Ah, uh, it's it. Overall, not for long. Right. Um, what I've seen is that it's very patchwork and it's very dependent on business model. So, you know, as an example, we'll have a, a, a bar, which is, you know, a bar restaurant. So they're right. certainly food is important and alcohol is important. And so they've tended to have less restrictions with lockdowns because you know, food is obviously more important than right. it might be less fun, but it's, less, it's more it's more critical. So Dep- depends on who you ask, actually. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and the time of day and the day you've had. Right. Um, so, you know, businesses like that have maybe been able to go back to 50, 75% if, for instance, they are lucky to have a lot of outdoor seating, um, if the time of year means that their typical business is a lot outside. You know, con- uh, contrast that with we have a, a big nightclub in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, when you think about the last types of businesses that are going to open and honestly while we all want them to open it makes sense like schools before bars not great for our industry but it makes perfect sense right um and obviously the risk of nightclubs you know closer higher density later mm. night um probably at a time in the evening you've drunk more alcohol so maybe you're more inclined to be less mindful um, yeah well so, the, you know, the issue so- i'm seeing in cities like miami is that restaurants that are given the opportunity to serve um, alcohol are taking advantage in a way that they're almost a nightclub. You know, nowadays they're working as if they were a bar a nightclub. They don't, you know, they're not really controlling the the space amongst people, whatever. And our numbers keep spiking up. You know, it just doesn't stop. You know, that's not gonna help. But um, but I guess yeah, I mean, I've seen it, it's just tricky. We've seen that in Florida and Texas. Both we've had clients right. there that have reopened. Uh, those states have obviously, I think, been more aggressive in opening which has been great for business and hospitality. But in, in many cases, they've had to then pull back um, because outbreaks have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the fine dance and balance about opening back up and keeping those those R numbers and you know the infection rates. Right. It's, uh, and you know you allude to the fact that it's changed some business. I mean, some businesses have done well out of it. Other businesses are not allowed to open. And then, of course, for a struggling business, there's strong incentives for people to kind of push the limits, maybe not um, abide by the spirit of the rules, but maybe the, you know, I heard a funny, funny comment. Um, I it wasn't one of our clients, but you know what the rule was, you can only stay open if you serve food. I heard of a beer, uh, a beer only bar. Mm-hmm. That every time you bought a beer, you bought a potato for 25 cents. It was a raw uncooked potato. And so you were buying food. Right. Um, you know, I, I understand the bar owners desire to do that. And I understand the risks to public health. So Right. Um, thankfully, I don't, I don't have to pick 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 the uh, the winners and losers. I just uh, try and help the people that are open make more money. 
Definitely. Let me ask you, how, how complicated um, is it to actually to, to work this uh, software? I mean, is it something that needs to be done by the mar bar manager alone? Do you need a few people to do this? Uh, should the whole staff be trained for like exactly what, what, what's the, how does it look in that sense? Yeah. So yeah, the question is basically around, yeah. So in general, first up, uh, with the exception of really big bars, we have found when you're doing really detailed inventory, a single person to own the entire process is normally beneficial because then one person's job is to track the invoices and upload them before they do their counts. One person to complete the entire count. Um, one person uploads the point of sale system. And then when I have a question around why is Jameson looking strange, they know that they were the person that ordered it. Um, mm -hmm. If there's one person that does ordering, one person that does counting, just more uh, disjointed, it's, 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 it's uh, complicated. Right. Um, in terms of ease of use, um, let me give a bit of context first in terms of the different options. Because again, BarEye is one of many different software options for bar inventory that's great. And I think you know, I'd encourage people to find one that fits for them. So. Let's think about this di different options. Let's think about bar inventory options as a spectrum. On one end, you've got do-it-yourself, self-service systems, mm. where you basically buy a piece of hardware or an app, you do everything. Um, our system is much, much easier to use than that. Those systems are attractive because they have low cost. Um, the level of execution is really dependent on the skill level of the user and whether the system is even designed to try and look at variances rather than just save time and do your ordering. The other end of the spectrum, you know, there's a big franchise business um, that many listeners will know that would do what I'd call full service inventory. So they physically go into the bar early in the morning for you, do all the tasks for you. Right. Um, so that obviously is the easiest to use and most expensive way to do inventory. So right. do it yourself is most complicated to work cheapest. Full service is obviously easiest to you. So you, you're in the middle. Yeah, because outside of Colorado are what we offer is what we call a hybrid system. Basically the clients use bar manager or owner uses our scales and software to count their inventory. Um, as I say, if you can count to 10, you've got fingers to, for, for cheating <laughs> if you need that. But if you can count, you should be able to count bottles and enter data into a piece of software. And right. in our case, all the users have to do addition to that is submit their purchase invoices, run a point of sales report. And the bar I model is that the bar manager fine at counting, maybe not so skilled at detailed data analysis in a spreadsheet, right? and also is busy and has better things to do. So we take the view that it's better to let the manager do the counts, and then we do the number crunching, help them find the errors, do the boring data entry. Um, so you know, back to the original question, is it hard to use? Our I system is pretty easy because you do the easy parts. We guide you through setting up, and there's back and forth and interaction every time you count with your dedicated account manager. Um, right. So one of the system, one of the things we like about it is it provides a, a tailored sort of like inventory with an assistant experience, but the cost is lower because the actual counting and data collection is done in house. Right. Um, Let me ask you a question. Do you do you think that there's any reason why bar owners, restaurant owners, um, decide not to use a software or a service? Two besides yeah. besides money. Outside, besides money, is there one other reason? <laughs> I mean, the money, the money point to just to talk about that doesn't make a lot of sense because understand that you're doing that threshold of $25,000 in bar sales a month. Mm -hmm. 
we're a sort of middle of the road price wise. And even if you're doing that small level, if you're using our pro version and you actually use it, you know, if you right. just sell it, sit on the shelf, it's obviously not going to do anything for of you. Course. But typically those clients will spend about 200 a month and save 750. And right. so they're turning around almost 4X on their money. So mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't make sense to me that people are doing it less. Um, it might be out of, you know, uh, a cheapness on the ticket price. It's like, I don't want to spend $200. Right. But perhaps you don't realize, well, you're spending $200, but you're losing $750 um, every month. So I think, I think the first problem is a lack of awareness about the, the scale of the issue. Um, mm-hmm. So again, come back to that point that we've done more than 10,000 bar audits over a decade in 30 states. And the average amount that bars are missing when we start with them, if they haven't been using you know, uh, a, an advanced inventory system, they're normally missing 15 to 20% of everything being poured. Um, and so that's where that opportunity to reduce a lick cost comes from. Right. Um, so I think most bar, bar owners are in denial or just they haven't really, you know, they know that the drink gets poured a little bit heavy, but they haven't realized what happens when that happens hundreds or thousands of times over the week. Right. So the first one is just, the other one is people don't like to, people like to do things that are enjoyable and rewarding and digging into numbers to, that leads me into the next point, the second reason. So the first reason is lack of awareness of the problem. And the second one is um, two silly quote or two silly descriptions of the bar business. One, I said the bar business is the business of drunks getting drunks drunk. Um, <laughs> if you understand that, you have a, and the other one is it, the, un, the bar business is the unhappy marriage of business and social, by which I mean we go to bars to be social at the same time, bars are businesses that try and make money. Right. And so I think bars sometimes don't draw a line between those two things. So if I'm a bar owner, it's a friendly, fun business. That's one of the reasons we love it. Mm-hmm. It also, that's a risk because we start acting like everyone's friends, like, Julio, you come into my bar, I, you're my friend, so I, I pour it heavy. It's like, well, that's that's good on the uh, social side. It's not so good on the business side. Correct. Um, and also bar owners and managers work closely with their bar the bartenders, they tend to have strong relationships. And so that trust element, like they feel like they need to trust them, they do trust them. Yeah. And it somehow breaks that social relationship and turns it into a business relationship if you start checking what your staff is doing. Right. Um, it's a big thing that we've, you know, initially people think, you know, we're playing like cops and robbers, let's catch out the bartenders. Right. We found that is not how you succeed using bar inventory. You can do that and you can, you know, catch people out. But Back to that point about doing inventory on the back end, doing it quietly behind the scenes with the staff. We measure everything that happened in a week and then discuss it with the staff so we can together as a team figure out why those shrinkages are happening. Is it because we're using the right glassware? Is it because we don't know how to pour it? Because when we're busy, we're rushing, we're spilling drinks. And, you know, for instance, most bars have a comp tab. They're allowed to give away alcohol. Um, right. I, I, I have some ideas, but I, I don't. I'm still amazed after 11 years, I would say that less than 25% of bars in the US are doing something of equivalent execution level to what bar I provides for clients. Right. And there are other cl- other systems and softwares that can achieve what we do. And bars, it's a, a, the other one is it's a lot more fun to taste the latest cocktails or get your wine reps in and taste your new Cabernet you're going to try for the, the, the upcoming winter. Right. than it is to sit down and do pouring practice with staff and design a rewards template and reward structure for when we do pour. It's just, you know, you, you have to be thinking about things like a business and right. uh, 
Yeah, I've seen businesses lot, in their in their four hundred, five hundred thousand a month sales, and not use anything at, ex for, except for people and using different people and 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 so oh that, my god, it's crazy. That's that's a good problem to have. As far as you know, obviously Miami's a, a, a world-renowned nightlife and nightlife scene, right? And so you're going to get those big. I mean, what's happening in those bars is sales cures all. Hmm. You know, if those bars are right. Doing, you know, we, we've got clients that do, you know, two hundred thousand a week, and th there's obviously clients, you know, if you, it, it doesn't surprise me. Some of the bars in Miami nightclubs will be doing well over that. Right. Um, we've got clients that have their numbers dialed in, and even in, you know, a ski town where obviously they charge them, but we've got clients in different types of business model that run liquor costs overall in in the low teens. You know, to your average neighborhood bar owner, that sounds crazy. They're like, well, I can never get my lift cost out of the 20s. You know, if I ever hit 19, I'm killing it. Right. Um, bars and nightclubs, particularly late night or higher price, you know, either right. you, you take wells that you buy for $5 a bottle, you sell them for $5 a shot, that can lead to really low lift costs, or you're a late night, late night venue, and, you know, that shot of Patron is going out at $10, $15. Mm -hmm. um, that there's so much margin built into that sale, right? That yeah, bottles at 500 and 600, 15. right? And the other, the other thing to say, actually, before we think about it's the bar business, it's about fun, it's about entertaining people. And so, we want our clients to give away some product, to give away some shots, right? But our view is that if you let the bartenders do it, you know, how they want, they're going to do it to maximize tips uh, right. and to and to you know, to please the current event. Um, and I just think bars need to be conscious about it. They need to be conscious about realizing it's a problem, hopefully conscious about measuring it, right. and then thinking intelligently about what is the correct balance here. Because you know, early yeah. in the night, if a bunch of pretty guys or girls comes in, it's a great idea to buy them all around the shots. Um, you know, right. get them in, get them having a good time. Um, and if it's a business reason like that, where it, we, we're filling up the, the venue, that's great. And most owners are, are very happy about that. But it's... Right. Um, Hey, what I was, is happening behind the scenes and we're not being conscious, um, I think it's running we run into problems. Definitely. I, it reminded me, you know, something you said reminded me of uh, one of my mentors, one of my first mentors, as a matter of fact, uh, Daniil and all of, um, he owned the club that I was promoting at at, at the beginning. And, uh, and I remember seeing this uh, bartender who basically I knew and all my clients would tell me, oh, I just go to her because I get drinks from her and I tip her and she gives me whatever. And I was like, man, this is probably affecting the sales that I get paid for. And you know what? I'm just, I mean, I don't care. She gives me free, free drinks, but I work here. You know what I mean? But if she's doing it with everybody, I need to talk to the, to the owner and, and let him know, you know? So I had that conversation and he's like, oh, I know. And I'm like, so how come she you haven't fired her or done anything? She's like, no, no, no. I mean, I know, and she knows I know, and but you know, and then he explained he just basically has some some leadway, you know, like this is as much as I let them, you know, I called it spill spill at the time, even though spill was yep. a, a, a you know uh, a combination of giving you know drinks to people that were tipping and 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 I guess many different tricks, you know. But uh, but in the end, you know, you know it was yeah, like mean, you're saying, it's service industry, you know, if you're making money, you're making money. And so, you know, a lot of bars that are making money are like, I don't need to look at this. Let's right. keep on packing them in, fill up the venue, and then we're going to be making money. Right. Why well, um, fix it if it ain't broken? 
Yeah, uh, but it know, could be more money. <laughs> it could be more money. Yeah, yeah. Another, you know, there's not many businesses I know that have a problem of excess profit. So I don't right. care if you're making, you know, a million a month. Right. If you're making two, you'd be happier. Well, maybe um, that, there's also the fact that when you're making the decisions, you're most likely under that influence as well. <laughs> right. It may there's be a factor. Possibly, that's the drunk, drunks, getting drunk, drunk uh, thing again. Exactly. Um, exactly. Me... What I'd be interested to know with that person who was happy with their bartender is, did they know the extent of it? You know, I'm, if... I'm sure they never. They thought they knew. You know, I know she knew more than he he knew. <laughs> um, and as a matter of fact, that bartender went on to go to three, four or five different venues and it was the same story. And, you know, funny enough, those owners were all aware and knew about it and everything. But more even funnier is the fact that when I went on to open my first, I went on to hire her. <laughs> So I, you know, I learned the the lesson, and and I realized it, that it was that she was bringing a clientele too. She was bringing right. spenders. There was a lot of selling. It wasn't like she was like stealing directly, you know. And we tried to work a system where we actually told them, you look, I'm gonna give you this many drinks to give out or whatever. But the whole thing, we realized later that it was more about letting them make that decision, giving them control, but us having some kind of serious, you know, inventory behind or, or you know, on our, on our side that we could actually really see what's really happening, you know, how much is really going out, you know, compared to what you're selling and those numbers. So as long as we it's obviously making- a com- it's obviously a complicated problem, right? Because we're, we're balancing off these competing aims, which is on the one hand, we don't want the uh, bartender to give away drinks because it's going to reduce our margin, our profitability. On mm-hmm. the other hand, we want bartender to give away drinks because it's good for business it pleases people and it makes people come back Mm -hmm. whatever the correct balance in there one thing i'm certain about is if you measure how many drinks you're giving away Mm -hmm. week to week you'll be in a better position to optimize that decision Um, so if that you know if that bar owner was doing that and had a pretty good measure of how much has been given away and he he felt like that was a he was hitting the sweet spot that's great Mm -hmm. what i am concerned about what i see often is people thinking they're in that sweet spot and when you actually drill down into the detail, they are amazed. I mean, the, the usual conversation when we do an initial audit for a bar is, "There's no way I'm missing that much." You're wrong. You know, right. run, rerun this, check this. And often it will take. You know, we'll drill down, and normally we we follow a specific product, which will be like, "Okay, let's take Jameson, our old friend." <laughs> Last week, I can show you we counted six bottles here. You know, the bottle in the well one weighed 46 ounces. The tearaway is this, so we know it was 6.2 ounces in this bottle. Right. You show them, you know, so we, how we know and we can, uh, we can show them, we, you know, one of the important parts of our software is not being able to have the numbers correct, but also being able to show you how the numbers are correct. So you work through the process and they start to, you know, sometimes it will take two or three measures to confirm that number's correct. Right. Um, but yeah, whatever, you know, another sort of overall comment I have on the, on the restaurant space is sometimes we let too many things happen as in. They just evolve over time, and we're not being conscious about it. Um, like how much we give away, like maybe how many products we have in the bar. You know, we're constantly True. doing starting with a client, and we say, "How many products are we tracking at your bar?" And they're like, "I'm not sure. I think it's about 200." You know, by the time you're finished doing a count, they've got 300 products, and right. that's fine if they have had a you know if they're a tequila bar and they want to have all the tequilas, right. maybe right. they want to have that many. But if you if the reason you have 300 is because you've had a string of bartenders or bar, 
by managers for the last few years and months and they right. don't have any guidelines you've never had a conscious choice about how many we should have and by the way most bars do 90 percent of their sales out of 10 percent of their products so 100 <laughs> percent um, i just so I, I just think with a lot of things i want to get the data um another comment or quote i love is when you have the right data it's normally very easy to make smart decisions right and so with all of these things like how many products should I have? How many tequilas should I have? How much should I rotate my, how much should I give away? How should I set up the point of sale? Um, all of these things, when you have more detailed information on your business, it's normally pretty straightforward to make these decisions. And we don't have to make decisions on hunches and feel uncomfortable and feel like we're guessing. Um, hmm. You know, as this knowledge is power and that extends to, uh, to bar inventory, although in an unsexy way. Definitely. <laughs> Jamie, I want to thank you so much for, for the time today. We've gone a little over uh, a half hour here, and um, I don't want to I don't want to get anybody you know scared with our faces for too long watching our video. Um, I I try to keep it under under forty five minutes or so. Let me ask you, what would be that one piece of advice that you leave your clients with every time that you go, even though they might not use your service you know when you talk to them and yeah so i i mean our clients i don't have as much advice for because they've chosen a solution and we're they're doing it so my advice would be inventory is a big opportunity that you're probably missing out on um i'd recommend them do a detailed audit where they can precisely compare what they're selling versus what they're pouring you know a company so having someone come in and do that has some benefits a really simple way to do it in-house is take your top three selling bottled or canned beer products, go and do a complete count of what you have in house at the start of the week. Wait a week, go and do a complete count of just those three items, how many bottles you have, and make sure you're right. I mean, write it down in the in the you know cooler here. I have six. In the second cooler here, I have 24. In the basement bar, I have this many. In the cooler cooler, I have you know seven cases plus six six packs, whatever it might be. Write it down. Write it down for the same thing factor in any purchases and calculate for those three top sellers how many bottles or cans of beer did you use during the week now go and look into your point of sale and see how many bottles of budweiser or bottles of Modelo were sold the reason i'm saying this to us on bottled beer is it's simple on bottled beer because mm -hmm. you just count there's no portioning right. um, and there's no like bottled beer is not doesn't have three buttons it's you know well vodka might be in 17 different drinks in your bar in different right. sizes it's really complicated to see what you've sold very right. simple to see how many bottles of Modelo you sold in a week right. and therefore simple to compare it to what you and for most bars if you add up and you've you're selling a hundred percent of the bud or Modelo or the Coors Light that you're you're killing it you're doing great and right. wouldn't it be worthwhile just to do that checkup so do that little text compare what you're selling what you're pouring um, right now if of your business now if that better. number if that number does not match the Modelo I'm sure with half an ounce extra in every pour, <laughs> there's going to be bigger issues over there. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's good news, really. This is for many. Go and do that test. Count your bottled usage and compare it to sales. And when, for the most part, you see a difference, it will, it will get you on a pathway to finding a solution that works for you. And as I said, that 3% overall movement of your liquor cost and a more profitable business awaits which is, I think, the point, as well as having a drink. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Jamie, thank you so much for your time uh, again. Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can find you guys? 
Yeah, so best place to start is always the website, so just bar-i.com. Or if they want to check out the um, the actual software, they can demo it, uh, obviously linked to the website, but app.bar-i.com, and they can create a free account and start clicking around and using uh, the new platform. Uh, and of course, we'd love to schedule a demo for anyone that's has more than just a, a passing interest. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again. Guys, remember, get my book on Amazon, The Nightlife Entrepreneur. You find me on Instagram as The Nightlife Entrepreneur. Also, you can find all the episodes at nightlifepodcast.com and you can see all the courses at nightlife.university. Thank you again. See you next week. Thanks for having me earlier. Pleasure. All right, my man.